United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Let's take you overseas and just for a moment hear from an unidentified protester in Hong Kong. This is somebody yelling to the crowd this morning. We understand police using tear gas to try to keep the crowds and demonstrators at bay. I said it boils down to a display of people power in Hong Kong, a display in particular of young It is one of the issues we want to get some clarity from our next guest. He can do it. Vikram J. Singh is a senior advisor to the Asia program at the United States Institute of Peace. The Twitter handle is at VJS underscore policy. Vikram Singh, welcome. Thank you for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. So you can uh, maybe simplify so we can understand what is taking place here. Clearly, this is a lot of people on the street, and evidently they're very concerned about the possible passage of an extradition law. Explain what they're concerned about. Yeah, by some estimates, one in every seven residents of Hong Kong was protesting in the last, uh, in the last several days, which is, which is pretty dramatic. The new extradition law would basically allow the Hong Kong courts who are independent under the one, uh, two nation, uh, two, one nation, two systems uh, system that China has over in its control over Hong Kong. It would allow the Hong Kong courts to extradite people um, basically anywhere, but including to mainland China. And there's significant fear that the judicial independence that Hong Kong has long enjoyed would be severely compromised by this, allowing people to be sent to uh, basically Communist Party-controlled courts on mainland China. Uh, And that's a worry for Hong Kong residents. It's a worry for foreigners who could be uh, arrested in Hong Kong but end up in a mainland Chinese court. And uh, it's something that the uh, citizens of Hong Kong see as a real violation of uh, of their really valued independence. And what is surprising, I guess, in your mind, is that Carrie Lam, who is the chief executive in Hong Kong, has said there's no pressure from China. You find that hard to believe. Yeah, I think it's interesting that she came out very strongly saying there's no pressure from China. It's, it is true that this, uh, this whole idea for this change in the law came about because of a case in Taiwan where Hong Kong had no extradition treaty and was a- unable to send back uh, a suspect to Taiwan over a murder case. And so... Her point is this was a Hong Kong idea to, to, to make it possible for Hong Kong to send fugitives back to face justice in, in the countries that are, were appropriate and that it wasn't designed by Beijing. The problem is it has no need, there's no mechanism to prevent extradition to mainland China. And quite frankly, the Chinese, uh, Beijing has, has reached into Hong Kong and abducted everyone from booksellers to billionaire businessmen that it wanted to have face justice back in mainland China. Um, It's done it by basically, you know, uh, sending agents in to kidnap people. Um, So that's a very real fear that this would suddenly give a legitimate mechanism uh, to have people sent to Beijing and that Beijing would be happy to exert pressure. Um, In reality, you know, Carrie Lam was Beijing's choice too uh, for to lead Hong Kong because the Hong Kong leaders are elected by a body that that is basically uh, beholden to Beijing. I don't want this to be the only issue we discuss, but I'm curious, what's the prospect for any success? I mean, it sounds like her support comes from other than just the people on the street. So where is it possible that they will get a reversal of government policy on this? 
you know, there's there's a lot of opposition to this, even in the in the legislature in Hong Kong. But it is moving forward and it's being put up to a vote, uh, apparently middle of next week. And, you know, Beijing supporters uh, are 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 the are the dominant force. So it would probably pass. I think the I think the chances are like we've seen in the past um, with protests in Hong Kong that despite the outpouring of public concern, um, Hong Kong's independence. Uh, status, which was supposed to be protected until 2047, is being eroded pretty rapidly. And I think the chances are it does go forward. Vikram Singh is with us, Senior Advisor to the Asia Program at the United States Institute of Peace. Let us turn to the re-election or the uh, victory of recent elections by Narendra Modi, who is the Prime Minister of India. And the India-Pakistan-United States dynamic has always been fascinating in that Pakistan and India always look askance at the U.S. when the U.S. says something nice about the other. Uh, You know, it, it, it always seems to work out that way. Is this going to change anything? Is this just a continuity of what is in place in India right now? How do you see this victory? Well, I mean, I think one of the dominant trends over recent years has been that the United States has has stopped sort of putting India and Pakistan together in one basket and has, has basically has really focused on uh, sort of this big forward looking relationship with India, which is economic and defense cooperation and, you know, this tech, technology cooperation and has been focused on Pakistan as as a challenge on in the war on terrorism in bringing peace to Afghanistan. So there's been this sort of separation. But every now and then you get a big reminder of the, the seriousness of the tensions on the subcontinent, like we did in February and March when uh, there was a terrorist attack from Pakistan into Indian-controlled Kashmir, and the Indians responded with airstrikes, and the two actually got into you know, air-to-air combat, something that hasn't been seen in a long, long time. And, and um, you know, an Indian aircraft was down and a pilot captured and, you know, people were worried that they were on the brink of war. So there's been a lot of attention around, will they find a way back to dialogue? Um, the fact is, I think the Modi government is focused on reforms and looking forward and basically telling Pakistan, you got to stop supporting terrorism and then we can and then we can talk. And the Pakistani government is really focused on, uh, its own domestic troubles. Uh, it's trying to get a $6 billion bailout from the IMF because it's facing a, a, a debt and a fiscal crisis. And just last night, uh, you know, the former president was arrested on corruption charges. So now both a former president and a former prime minister are, are in jail in Pakistan. Um, and uh, the government's presented a budget that is that is uh, going to really going to cut is going to cut the budget in an effort to get this support from the IMF. So I think both countries are focused mostly on their own issues, and chances are we won't see uh, uh, you know a serious effort for dialogue, at least not in the immediate term. To that point, again, uh, Prime Minister Modi returning to, if you will, internal affairs more than anything else. Is this seen as just a philosophical, or is this just a practical thing? It's like, oh, we better take care of our knitting at home right now. I think it's a practical thing, and I don't think it's even a take care. It's to take an opportunity of, you know, India sort of rising on the world stage, India being a growing, a growing power. It's, uh, it's you know, views the, the Pakistan challenge as much less central uh, to its future. And, he's, and he is concerned about poverty alleviation and getting energy out to all uh, the Indians who still don't have electricity and water and sanitation and the sort of bread and butter issues that he's promised to uh, to deliver to the Indian people, which got him this thumping election result. Um, and the main line has been that he's going to stand up to Pakistan and be strong. So 
uh, on one hand, he's in a very good position. If Modi wants to talk to Pakistan, he won't face any internal uh, serious internal resistance. He'll be he'll be sort of trusted to to lead that kind of engagement. But on the other hand, it may not be something that's a top priority for him. Well, fascinating, as always, these developments. I appreciate the perspective. Thanks for being on the program today. It's a real pleasure. Thanks. Bhagavan Singh is a senior advisor to the Asia program at the United States Institute of Peace and always fascinating, dynamic and important relationship. That is the United States with India and Pakistan separately. And, of course, with the two of them often, it is, as Bikram just said, had been put in the same basket, but we're trying to separate them and uh, whether or not that can be done. But we're talking about a country with a billion people. Both are nuclear powers. And that, that in and of itself makes these relationships important. But also what's going on in Hong Kong, another fascinating development, watching one out of every seven people, about a million people evidently taking part in these protests. So great that we could have him on for perspective. He's tweeting at VJS underscore policy. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.